Hello everyone and welcome to the Athlete Tribe podcast. I'm your host Lee Eldridge. In this podcast we'll be talking to elite coaches, practitioners, athletes and high achievers about how to improve performance. We'll be covering topics such as training, improving your sport, work and overall life. I hope you enjoy the show today. Please feel free to leave a review. Do you want to improve your performance? Well, how to do that is by creating habits. Do you want to learn the five ways that we can go about creating positive habits? If so, keep watching this video. Hi guys, Lee Eldridge here, human performance coach from the Athlete Tribe. I hope you're doing well and that you're improving. If you're new to the channel, we really appreciate you hitting that subscribe button, like or notification bell. If you've already subscribed, welcome back to the channel. Today I'm going to be talking about creating habits. And a lot of this is going to focus on the work of James Clear and his book, Atomic Habits. And James talks about five areas that we should be looking to focus on. Number one, compound self-improvement. Number two, focusing on systems, not on goals. Number three, focusing on who you want to become. Number four, the four laws of behavior. And number five, the importance of environment. So number one, habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. And what do I mean by this? Well, here's James talking about this area. One way to think about it is just kind of basic math. Like if you just look at the numbers, if you were able to improve by 1% each day for an entire year, and those gains compound, you would end up 37 times better at the end of the year. And if you were to get 1% worse, you would whittle yourself almost all the way down to zero. What's interesting here is that everybody wants a transformation, right? Everybody wants a radical improvement, we want rapid success, but we fail to realize that small habits and little choices are transforming us every day already. So as we can see, minimal viable habits or 1% gains, day in, day out, over weeks, months, and years, and decades, lead to huge performance. And if we think about it, this is no surprise to a certain degree. So if you think about professional footballers, they start playing at whatever the age is, they get into an academy at under eight, nine, 10, et cetera, et cetera. And all they're needing to do is just improve that little bit every year, year on year on year on year, until they become the top professional football player. And we are no different. The problem is that I see too many people saying, oh, I need to train for three hours a day. I need to eat all these vegetables. I need to sleep 10 hours a night. But the problem is that those are big asks. What we need to be doing is focusing on the one areas or the one percenters that are gonna help us push forward. And James references a work or the work of Sir David Brailsford. Now, Team GB Cycling had only won one gold medal before 2008 in the Olympic Games. But come full circle in 2016, they'd won a combined of 66 gold medals in the Paralympics and Olympics. This is huge. And he puts it down to a term called marginal gains. And this is the point that we're trying to improve 1% in lots of different areas that are gonna improve our performance. Before I start talking about that, there is a side note. In marginal gains are a great way to improve, but we need to have that base level of foundation. 
So if you're not sleeping enough, if you're not eating consistently the right things you should be doing, it doesn't really matter about those marginal gains. But in 2003, he came in. And what did he do? Well, they spent time designing saddles to be more comfortable for the riders. They invested money into the right shorts to keep the muscles warm. They looked at the right massage gels that helped with recovery. They got surgeons to come in to teach the staff and athletes how to wash their hands so they would reduce the risk of illness and bugs. They went into wind tunnels to look at aerodynamics. They invested in the right pillars and mattresses that traveled with the athletes to help them sleep. And that becomes very exciting if you think about you now, because there are so many things that you could do where you could just improve 1% here and there that would add up to huge performance gains. Number two, if you want better results, focus on systems, not on goals. And here's what James thinks about that. Is the feeling of progress. Yeah. And if you're focused on uh, feeling guilty, blaming yourself for not improving, feeling like, oh, I'm not able to build better habits because it's, something's wrong with me, that's not a very uh, productive state to be in. Whereas if you shift it and say, all right, the problem is not me, the problem is the system. And if I'm gonna change the system, then I can do X, Y, and Z. And we can talk about a variety of those strategies. But each time you do that, you take action and you build progress and momentum. And so I, I think it is a much more productive way to approach the process of change because it gives you something to actually work on. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the rest of these strategies, a lot of the time it's about stuff like, uh, you know, think positive or fake it till you make it or stuff like that. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Like certainly if you want to think positive is sounds better than thinking negatively. Um, but my focus is much more on practical action steps. How can we make the process of behavior change actionable and give you something that to do to design a system where you're more likely to succeed. And so I think that's just a better place to spend your time and energy. It's not the goals. If we imagine a game of football at the top league level or any game of football, both teams in theory are trying to win and one team might win. So they have the same goal, but that's not important. We focus on that. What we should be doing is focusing on the systems that that team have. And goal setting is important. There's no denying that. And I've spoke about setting clear goals, but we get so obsessed with it. And I think that's because of how we consume the social media that we do. You know, hashtag goal setting. You see people everywhere talking about working towards their goals or what their goals are not necessarily the systems that they're putting in place to help them do that. And there's a couple of big areas that are negative to goal setting. What happens when you achieve that goal? For example, I want to run a marathon. So how many times have people said that they've run the marathon and then they've stopped running? That's not the point. The point is long-term self-improvement. Similarly, what happens if you don't achieve those goals? It becomes very demotivating and the habits that you're trying to create are not gonna happen if you feel demotivated. So make sure that you're focusing on the systems. And what do I mean by that? Well, say you want to go to bed earlier or you want to increase the amount of sleep. Well, you need to set systems in place that you, know, you turn your phone off, 
90 minutes before you go to bed or an hour, you make sure that you've deactivated that play next button on Netflix so you don't get sucked into that rabbit hole and then an hour, two hours later, you're still awake. And all those types of things will happen that if you put a system in place, there you go. It's more effective to focus on who you want to become than what you want to achieve. Going back full circle to the marathon runner. So they needed to think about becoming a runner, not necessarily a person that has ran the marathon. And that is the thing that will keep them moving forward because you're creating this identity of who you want to become and you're thinking about that. And that is super important for creating habits. So it's not necessarily I want to eat healthier, it's I want to become a healthy person. And therefore, then we have a whole area to think about areas of improvement, not just one aspect of training, business, life, nutrition, whatever it might be. Number four, now we get specific about how we're actually going to create these behaviours. James Clears talks about it as the four laws of behaviour. And we'll go through them now. So number one, make it obvious. Number two, make it attractive. Number three, make it easy. And number four, make it satisfying. And we'll just have a look at the first one, make it obvious. And here's what James thinks about that. It starts with a guy that maybe you haven't heard of. Uh, his name's Dave Brailsford. And to set the stage for this, I want to tell you a little bit about British cycling. So about 15 years ago, early 2000s, British Cycling hires this guy named Dave Brailsford. And at that point, for the last like 100 years, uh, British Cycling had been incredibly mediocre. They had won a single gold medal back in 1908. They had never won a Tour de France, which is the premium race in cycling, the premier race. And so they, uh, they hired this guy named Dave Brailsford to change that. And in fact, at the time, they were so mediocre that when they went to buy a new set of bikes, they were going to get like 200 from a top manufacturer in Europe. They actually weren't even given quotes from the manufacturer because they didn't want other teams to see the British riders using their gear uh, for fear that it would, it would hurt sales. And uh, so they brought Brailsford in, and they said, what's your plan for changing this? And he said, well, I believe in this philosophy that I call the aggregation of marginal gains. And the way that he described it is the 1% improvement in nearly everything that you do. So they started with a bunch of things that you would expect a cycling team to start with. So for example, they put slightly lighter tires on the bike. They got a more ergonomic seat for the riders to sit on. They had their outdoor riders wear indoor racing suits because they were lighter and more aerodynamic. They had each rider wear a biofeedback sensor so they could see how they would respond to training and then adjust it appropriately for the person. But then they did a bunch of things you wouldn't expect a cycling team to do. So, they split tested different types of massage gels to see which one led to the best type of muscle recovery. They taught each rider how to wash their hands to reduce the risk of infection so they wouldn't get a cold after, uh, you know, get, and get sick. So the more specific that we get on that habit that we're trying to create, that will increase the chances of us doing it. So how can we do that? Well, let's say you, you do want to go to the gym. What you need to do is set a time, a place, a plan, and a reason for, for it all. And that will help pushing you towards that. And that's the same for if you're running. So many people just say, oh, I want to run twice a week. No, no, you need to set, I'm going to do 30 minutes at this pace. I'm going to go for this distance. Similarly, if you're trying to improve your nutrition, well, I need to eat five or six vegetables every day. Great. When? 
what type of vegetables, how are you going to prepare them, how are you going to cook them, how are you going to prep them. And once you start to build in that idea of making things obvious, the chances of you creating those habits are increased. Next is to make it attractive. There are things that we don't like to do, but we should do. For example, most of us probably don't move enough. So how are we gonna go about adding something to that to make us move? For example, people really enjoy listening to audiobooks or podcasts. I'd love people to be listening to the Athlete Tribe podcast. If you haven't downloaded it, check it out as they're moving or as they're walking around. And once we pair those two things together, that's gonna help to create that habit. Number three, make it easy. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're trying to run, put your running shoes by the door. If you're trying to improve your nutrition, make sure that the, the things that are gonna help you do that are there in front of you. And the things that aren't are hidden away from you. Likewise, if you're trying to go to a gym or you're thinking about going to a gym, pick the one that's nearest to your house or to office if that's if you're going back to work because you're more likely to go to something that's easy than something that's hard. Lastly, number four, make it satisfying. How many times do you not reward yourself for doing something well? Or we beat ourselves up for, for not doing something. So what we need to do is try and think of ways to reward ourselves if we do these habits. And once we do that, kind of the habit loop is completed and we're more likely to continue on that loop. Obviously, we need to be careful with that because if we think about it, if I'm trying to improve my nutrition and a reward for me is having a cheat meal or eating a dessert, that's counterintuitive. So just be careful how you reward yourself, but please, please do reward yourself. Number five, environment is the invisible hand that shapes behavior. And here's James talking about one area of his environment that he controls. One of the most overlooked drivers of habits and human behavior is our physical environment. So let me tell you a quick story. This comes from Harvard. So these researchers at Harvard went to Massachusetts General Hospital and they had a very interesting question. They wondered if they could change people's behavior without talking to them at all, without giving them anything to do, without trying to motivate them, but how can we shift their behavior without uh, asking them to do anything? And so they, this is a drawing of the cafeteria at the hospital. This is drawn to scale. Um, so, <laughs> The shaded pink boxes are areas where there are refrigerators that have soda in them. The two black boxes on the side are water, all right, refrigerators with water, and then all the other tables are food in the cafeteria. Now, they made a few little changes. They turned the pink boxes into ones that also had water. Okay, so they just added, but these refrigerators still have soda available. They just added water to it. And then they had a bunch of those little rolling carts, and they put those around the um, the cafeteria too, so you can switch back and forth and see they, they just add a couple things. Now, what happened? They didn't talk to anybody, they didn't do anything, but over the next six months, people drank 25% more water and 11% less soda. And it's interesting because if you went up and talked to anybody sitting there and you asked them, why are you drinking this? Everybody would have a reason. They'd say, well, I felt like drinking soda, I felt like drinking water. But in fact, many of them chose to drink it simply because they were presented with it. And this is an interesting insight about our desires. Your environment often influences them. We want things simply, simply because they're an option, right? Simply because they're in front of us at the time. You walk into any living room in America, where do all the couches and chairs face? 
They all look at the TV. So like, what is that room designed to get you to do? We wonder why we sit and watch so much TV, uh, and it's because our desires are shaped in that way. So thankfully, you don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can also be the architect of it. You can decide to design something to make your good behaviors easier and your bad behaviors harder. So when it comes to habits, if you want to practice your guitar more frequently, put it right in the middle of your living room so you run across it all the time. If you want to read more, when you make your bed in the morning, take the book you want to read, put it on top of the pillow. When you come back that night, pick it up, read a few pages, go to sleep. For me, I, uh, I used to buy apples all the time, and then I would put them in the crisper at the bottom of the fridge, and they would sit there for three weeks and go bad, and I'd finally open it up and see them again and get mad. And then eventually, I bought a bowl and put it right in the middle of the counter, and so then when I buy apples, I put them there, I see them every day, and now I eat them all the time. Um, many of our desires are simply shaped because we have an environment that shapes us in that way. So the moral of the story is I've never seen someone stick to positive habits in a consistent fashion in a negative environment. Maybe you can overpower it once or twice. Maybe you can have the willpower to do the right thing on one day. But if you're constantly fighting against those forces, it's going to be very hard to follow through. By James placing his phone in the other room, it helps his environment. It creates less distractions. And it always seems for me to come back to distractions. Like with Flo and Pete performance, you need to be concentrating 100% on one thing to truly immerse yourself so that you get all the benefits of that state. By James, you know, removing his phone, he removes that chance of distraction. Now, it might not be possible for you not to be next to your phone, but is there a way that you can control your environment for an hour a day for you to do the deep work that you needed to do? And that is super important. But also what else is important is your social environment, the people you hang around with. Because if you hang around with, for example, fit and healthy people, you're more likely to become a fit and healthy person. And the opposite is true. So just have a bit of a think now and think about your environment and how you can shape that to help you with creating positive habits. To summarize, let's just go back over the five areas. So number one, compound self-improvement. Number two, Focus on systems and not goals. Number three, think about who you want to become. Number four, the four laws of behavior. And number five, the importance of environment. Now, you should be super excited if, you, if your goal is to improve performance, which I hope it is by watching this channel and following the Athlete Tribe, that there should be areas in your life that you can just improve by 1%. And we go back to those marginal gains. And if you do that, then it's going to accumulate. You get this compound self-improvement. And off we go, moving towards creating better systems and achieving what we and who we want to become. That's it for this video, guys. Really appreciate you watching. If you haven't subscribed already, please click the subscribe button. Please leave a like, notification, any comments. We'd love to hear from you. Lots more coming up on this channel about self-improvement, improvement in sport and business, speaking to business leaders, top coaches, top athletes about their systems and their process that has led them to become high performers. That's all for now. Enjoy your training. I hope that you're improving. Speak to you soon.